Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Why don't you find Psalm 145 this morning? I'm going to just preach for a little bit. I won't go long here. I know we've got other things going on, but we got time for the Word, right? Psalm 145. Kind of tweaked, I'm kind of tweaking my message a little bit from what I was thinking about talking about this morning. And I want to talk about this. I want to talk about your inner image of God. Yeah. Have you ever had an inner image of somebody and then you saw them and it didn't match at all? Yes. You know, maybe you heard them on the radio or something, you know, and you thought, a guy, a guy said to me one time, he came to uh, the church where I was at, and, uh, you know, he had never seen me, never met me, but he'd heard uh, the messages I'd preached on recordings, you know, and he came, he said, I thought you was about six foot seven. I guess I just talked big, I don't know. But, but, you know, I'm not there yet. Glory to God. I've only got about a foot more to grow, and I'll get there. Praise the Lord. But uh, so, so sometimes our inner image of, of people does, doesn't really match the people, you know. And uh, I've had that happen where, you know, maybe I, I would listen to somebody on the radio and listen to their program or something. And then when I see them, I think, well, that, that doesn't, that, that's not what I had pictured here, you know. Uh, I had something else pictured here. And, and that's because we didn't, have a true, we didn't have a true inner image of who they are, see. And your inner image of God means a lot. Because if you think of God in the wrong terms, it's going to limit how you receive from him. And so the devil wants to paint that inner image of God. Uh, Religion wants to paint the inner image of God. Uh, Even some preachers want to paint an inner image of God that does not match the Bible. It's like, you know, Brother Greg was talking about tithing today, and you can go online, and yeah, you can find all kinds of things online about tithing. But you know what? The best place to find things out about tithing is the B-I-B-L-E. And, you know, uh, the Bible talks about it, right? And I never have found a scripture that says, Thou shalt not tithe any longer. Until I find that scripture, I'm going to keep doing the Bible. Amen? And I know people say, well, it was under the law. No, it wasn't under the law. It was was in Abraham's days. Praise God. Abraham tithed. Amen? That was was four and some years before the law and all and, and so forth. But anyway, we're not talking about tithing this morning. Brother Greg already did a fantastic job with that. Praise God. Amen. We're going to talk about what is God like? What is He like? And I'm going to tell you all about what God's like in about 25 minutes. No, obviously I'm not. But let's go to Psalm 144. I am going to tell you some things about what He's like. What the Bible says He's like. Amen. Psalm 145, verse 8 says this about the Lord, the Lord's gracious. Well, that's what the Lord's like, right? You know, think about the most gracious person you've ever met in your life. God is more gracious. The Lord is gracious. He's full of compassion. How many of you are full of something? That means that's what comes out. He's slow to anger and of great mercy. I like these adjectives, don't you? Full of, slow, great. The Lord is good to a few. 
No, he's good to all, right? And his tender mercies are over all his works. Wow. <laughs> Do you remember when the, uh, the Lord uh, told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach? Anybody remember what he did? He went the other way, didn't he? He, he got him a, a ticket on Carnival Cruise Line. <laughs> he heads the other direction, doesn't he? And he didn't want to go to Nineveh. And it's not till you get to the end of Jonah that you find out why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because he, he, finally, I mean, he finally got to Nineveh, didn't he? I mean, he had, you know, he had a story to tell his grandkids for years to come because of his disobedience, right? I, you know, I just learned by reading Jonah, I don't want to be well-bait or well-barf, right? Might as well obey God, right? Because that's the way life is smooth. And so he, 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 uh, he says, after, he goes and preaches to him, you know, after the whale has swallowed him and, or the fish, whatever it was, but... Uh, he goes and he preaches to them and they take him seriously and they repent and they even make the cows fast. <laughs> they put everything on a fast, even the cows. And uh, God, when he saw that, God relented of what he said he was going to do to him. He was going to destroy him. And the Bible said, and Jonah was very angry. He said, isn't this what I said when I was in my own land? For I knew you. You're a God full of grace and compassion and tender mercies. I knew you'd do this. That's why he didn't want to go. Jonah had an issue with the Ninevites. There was a racial, there was a, a, a barrier there. He didn't like the Ninevites. And the Israelites didn't like the Ninevites. At that time. And so Jonah didn't, Jonah didn't want him to repent. He didn't want God to be good to him. He wanted God to destroy him. And he didn't want to go there and warn him because he knew if he warned them, they might change. And if they change, God's merciful. And he said, this is what I said. And it made him angry. And God said, are you doing right to be angry? He said, I'm almost angry to death. I don't know if he ever repented of that or not, but I'll tell you one thing. He knew God, didn't he? He knew God, what God would do. God's the Father of mercies, amen? He, the Bible tells us every good thing. Anybody know that scripture? Every good thing comes down from the Father, amen? Isn't that right? Look at Micah. I'm, I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to give you some Old Testament books to find. Micah chapter 7, go there. Or if you have your electronic device, that's cheating a little bit because it finds it for you. But if you've got paper, go find Micah. Micah's right after Jonah. And I know you know where Jonah's at, right? Find Amos and go to Jonah and go to Micah and hurry up about it, will you? Micah chapter 7, I'm also going to read some scriptures today. I'm not going to preach long. Uh, I don't think I'm going to even talk about these a whole lot. But I want your eyes to see them. 
And uh, I want the Bible to tell you who God is. Let the Bible paint your inner image of God. Because I had a wrong inner image of God growing up. I, I just thought, you know, God to get you, you know. And that he was after you. And, and uh, you know, he was angry with you. And he was mad at you. And, well, you didn't dare, you didn't dare mess with God. But it's amazing what the Bible says about God. It says, it says the opposite of that. In, in Micah chapter 7, verse 18, it says, Who is a God like unto you that pardons iniquity? He passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Isn't that something? God delights in mercy. That's what gives him joy. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Now, uh, go to Zephaniah. I want to read a few scriptures here. Back up. You're in Micah. Back up. Let me find it. I don't even know where it's at. I've lost Zephaniah. Go forward. Go forward. If you're in Jonah, go forward. Go to Zephaniah chapter 3. Go there. Zephaniah the third chapter. This is a scripture when I read it. I've read it to you before. I'm going to read it again. But this is a scripture when I read it, I had a hard time believing it. Not that I disbelieved the Bible, but it just seemed too good to be true. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will rejoice over you with joy. And the King James says, He will rest in His love or He will quiet you or cause you to rest in His love. He will joy over you with singing. Is that the Bible? That is hard to imagine. That we sang about God this morning and He's so excited about us, He sings about us. I think about the only thing I can even think even might even closely get you a picture of the way God feels about you is um, how many grandparents do we have in here? How many know you wish you'd have started with grandkids instead of your kids? Because they're a whole lot more fun than the kids were, right? All right, see, think about, think about how you get excited about them coming over. And, and I don't know, maybe you don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe, if, maybe it depends on how many, because we used to, we, we finally put it, a limit on it, you know. We finally said, okay, uh, to stay all night, that is. Two at a time. Six aren't staying all night. Two. It's your turn to stay all night, we would tell one of them. It's your turn to stay all night. Now you pick a friend, you pick some, one of the other ones to stay all night, two. That was the birthday man. Okay, all right. We picked the ones that stayed. We picked the ones that stayed on. The ones that got along, right? <laughs> I remember. I better not say that. All right. Some things are better left unsaid. But God rejoices over us. Think about it. This this is something I'm telling you that he that we don't we, we it's just hard for us to get a picture that God is that excited about His people, but He is excited about His people. The psalmist said He takes pleasure in His people. 
Isn't that something? You know, we, we sing about him, but he's singing about us. I would like to hear what he sings. I hope it's good. I hope it's not country song. Oh, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark, depression, excessive misery. If I didn't have these kids, I'd be happy. I don't think that's what he's singing. How many know that? He, he rejoices over us, right? Amen. He, he rejoices with joy with singing. Hallelujah. So we have, to, we have to understand this is the inner image of God that we have to have. That this is the way God is. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. Now, I want to I look at a few things. I'm, like I said, I'm not going long, but I, want, I do want to look at these scriptures. That's just, I, don't know, I just feel like this morning it kind of changed up on me. I was going to preach on something different, Lil, but just like changed up. It seemed like, it seemed like the things that we were singing this morning, and we were talking about who God is and what He's like. And if you don't let the Bible paint the picture of who God is and what He's like, I guarantee you'll have the wrong picture. Because the devil will not let you have the right inner image. He, he wants to, he's the accuser of the brethren. And he wants to blame, he'll, he'll kick you and blame it on God. Won't he? And, and, and preachers sometimes help him and say, well, you know, God, he'll, you know, he, he'll make you sick to teach you. How I many know he's not that way at all? Is he? No. He's the healer. Amen. And so if we don't we don't understand that. We don't recognize that. And I know we know that. But I'm telling you, as long as I've been serving God, which is over 40 years now, I still I still need work in this area about my inner image of God. It's still hard for me to imagine that God is that much in love with me, because I know me. I have a hard time. Phyllis, Phyllis has kept me almost 40 years. But she has. Well, God doesn't see like man sees. Did you know he sees you through the blood of Jesus? He does. If he didn't, we'd be in trouble. Amen. Look in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Are you getting a nugget or something out of this? We're not really preaching or teaching. I'm just doing a scripture I'm looking at some scriptures. Something changed on, on me today when we got into praise and worship. I changed up here. And so uh, this is just what I feel we need to talk about, how we gotta, how we got we, we to have the right inner image of God. He's a gracious God. Hallelujah. There's a powerful book. I haven't read it for a while, quite a while. I need to drag it down and read it again. But Brother Teach and I have talked about it. Uh, Christ the Healer. And he's got, I think, he, you may have to help me, brother. But I think in that book, he's got a particular chapter on the compassion and mercy of God. And he does about as good a job as anybody I've ever read after talking about God's goodness and God's mercy. And one of the things, and I believe it's out of his book. I could have got this somewhere else. You might remember, Brother Teach. But I, could, I think I got it out of his book. He says that word gracious there, where it says God is gracious, it means he's disposed to show favors. In other words, he, you know, has anybody ever messed up their life? And the devil will tell you it's over with, but God is gracious. I won't, and I've told you this story before, but it just, it just really marked me. You know, when I, I got arrested one night 
way back in the, you know, prehistoric days, before Christ, and uh, over some things. And they, they didn't keep us, but they, they booked us, mugshotted us, and then we had a court appointment because they, 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 they uh, let us go. Uh, but they arrested us, took us in the jail, and did all the preliminary stuff. And they said, well, we're going to let you go, but you got a court appointment, you know. But so I thought everything was good. I thought, well, you know, I'll, mom and dad don't need to know anything about this. I still live at home. I was 19 and, or 18, one or the other. And, uh, you know, I was not, they don't need to know anything about this. This, this, is, this, this. I'll just pay the fine. I'll, whenever I get that summons to go to court, I'll go to court. And, of course, the judge could put me in jail. But I had a pretty good notion he wasn't going to do it, you know. And, uh, and when I got there, <laughs> I felt even better about he wasn't going to put me in jail. He said, boys, I'm disappointed in you because a couple of us had to go perform at the same time, me and Donnie. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm disappointed in you, boys. I said, he said, I really am. Well, well, sorry, Your Honor. He said, you had that party and you didn't invite me. I thought, well, I think we're going to be all right. All right. <laughs> I think his judge is not going to be too tough on us. But he fined us some money, you know. And, uh, but I thought, I thought, you know, that because of that, because, you know, they'd let us go and uh, we just had to appear before the judge. They didn't keep us overnight or anything like that. I thought, well, everything's going to be all right. Nobody's going to know about it. And then somebody called me and said, it's coming out in the paper. And sure enough, it did on the front page. And, uh, well, you know, here's one I thought. I thought, now, now, now my mom and dad don't need to find out about this by reading the paper because they religiously got the paper every week. Uh, it came out weekly. There wasn't enough news to have a daily one. <laughs> Unless you're just going to gossip about people. And so, anyway, I thought, I have got to tell. And I thought, I'm not going to tell mom. I'm going to tell dad. Because dad understands boys a little better. Amen. So I thought I'll tell him because he'll be a little bit more lenient about it. it. You know, in those areas. In some areas he was more lenient. Like he always said, well, boys sow wild oats. And, you know, when he found out I was smoking at 12 years old, he just made an off-the-hand comment, which I won't tell you what he said. But it's not church fit for church. But uh, anyway, it didn't really bother him. Um, but anyway... So I, I, I remember, and, and really, I, honestly, I did think he's going to get mad about it, you know. And so I, I, I'm, he's sitting in the living room, and I come in there and sit down. It's Wednesday, uh, late afternoon. I know in just a few hours that paper's hitting the streets. And boy, they buy them up like hotcakes down there, too. Huh? So I said, Dad, i got to tell you something. You're going to find out about it anyway. It's coming out in the paper. And I told him the whole thing and told him all about it. And, and I was expecting this wrath to come down on me. Instead, he said, do you need some help? And it's like, mercy, hallelujah, grace. How many of the Bible says we can come to God in time of need and find judgment and wrath? No, mercy and grace to help us. Amen. And you know what that scripture is talking about? It's talking about times of temptation. That's what it's talking about. Maybe even when we've missed it, we can come to God and get mercy and grace and find help. 
Amen. And so, you know, maybe you've messed your life up. Well, we've all done that. Isn't that right? We've all messed up. That's what the story of the gospel is all about, isn't it? Amen. All right. So I want you to, did, I, did you find 2 Corinthians? I want, you, I want to read the scripture here to you. And uh, we'll look at just a couple more things maybe. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5 and verse, uh, uh, well, let's just, let's just read a little bit more of this. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How many of that happened when we got born again, didn't it? And all things are of God. Amen. Everything that we received at the new birth is of God, right? We didn't get anything of the devil. It's all God, right? God didn't give us any sickness. It's all from God, man. Sickness came from the devil. Amen. Everything we received in the new birth is from God. So I didn't get born again. God said, now here's some sickness. No, that's of the devil. So all things that I received in my new birth is, all, is of God. He who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To, the King James says to wit or to know this, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God has not, he's not imputing the trespasses of the world against them. The literal meaning of that, and you can look this up yourself, is means he's not taking inventory. Now hear me out. God's not this God who's sitting up there and can't wait until you make a mistake or till you sin and get you. He doesn't even want an inventory of it. Amen. You say, well, then aren't they going to all be saved? No, they have to receive it. They have to be reconciled. It won't do them any good if they don't receive it. But as far as God is concerned, he's not mad at the world anymore. Now, if they reject it, then they'll have to deal with the wrath. But that's not who he is, and that's not what he wants. There's one paraphrase. You know what a paraphrase is. It's not, it's not something you want to build your life on, right? A Bible. It's just what somebody tells you what they think the Scripture is saying. It's not a translation, all right? We talked about that a little bit Wednesday night. But I like what it says where it says he's not taking inventory, where, God, where it says he's not uh, reconciling, he's reconciled the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them. This, this uh, paraphrase says, God put the world square with himself through the Messiah. Hallelujah. Giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. When Jesus died on that cross, he gave us all a fresh start. Hallelujah. We can start over. Amen. It's when you accept it that you begin to start over. Praise God. No, we're not paying for our past sins. Jesus paid for them. Thank you, Lord. Huh. I preach myself happy. <laughs> it have to change that inner image. Like God is just, you don't have to raise your hand, but have anybody ever felt that way? Just like God's this big judge up there and he's just watching me. And when I make a mistake, you know, or when I, you know, sin and he's ready to get me. You know, that's not God at all. 
That's not him at all. Amen. Like I said, you got grandkids. How I many know they make quite a few of them? Don't they? We had one and she was, she, she got into this phase of lying. And uh, Phyllis got call, called her on it one time. She said, do you know where liars go? Not New Jersey. I mean, there's a scripture in the Bible, right? And uh, she, what did she say to you? Yeah, she said, I don't, Phyllis said, liars go to hell. She says, I don't want to go to hell. She said, I'm sorry, Grandma. Grandma said, don't tell me, tell Jesus. So she's over there. <laughs> she's praying loud. And she goes, I don't pray quiet. <laughs> well, have you know, we, she put the fear of God in her. <laughs> Straighten her up. But truth of the matter is, God is so merciful. He's so ready to forgive. The Bible tells us he's ready to forgive. Amen. And sometimes in our humanness, we give up on people. Isn't that right? We think, I'm done messing with you. And there may be times you need to do that. There's times there's got to be some tough love. Like you got to figure out life for yourself now. But God never gives up on us. Hallelujah. You know, he just, he, even the worst person that you could think of on the planet, God loves them, and he wants them saved. Amen? Oh, thank you, Lord. I don't know. Let me, let me look at a, how about, can we look at the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 25? I'm, I'm getting ready to close out here. But let's go to Exodus 25. I, look, I just wanted to sow some scriptures in you this morning. I didn't really know I was going to do this, but I am. Exodus 25, just to... You know, put a picture of what God is really like on the inside of us. And how many know He's compassionate to heal? Yeah. Amen. Amen. One thing that, you know, I'm, I'm not a crier, but I do at times. I mean, one of the things that sometimes makes me cry is seeing people get healed. I love to see people get healed because I don't like people suffering and I really don't like children suffering and I really, I really get righteously indignant at the devil when kids are sick. It really ticks me off. Amen. You know, I, I'm like, I, I, I think about this Jewish, this, this Jewish surgeon, uh, he was he well known known for taking children that have brain tumors that other doctors had given up on. Uh, they would say the other doctors would do the best they could, of course, but they'd say we just you know we can't remove this tumor around the brainstem. We're liable to to kill the patient on the table, and we don't want that on our hands. So there was a there was a Jewish doctor in New York named Fred Epstein, and his his motto was I don't accept children dying. I thought, what a hero. Hallelujah. I like this guy. And so he would say, send them to me. And, 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 you know, many of them, I saw pictures of it. Some of them were like older now, 16 years old. And one of them was 16 year olds and playing some kind of instrument, you know. And, uh, you know, they had survived and lived and thrived. And they had, this, this kid had been sent home to die. Uh, and, and they got a hold of Mr. Dr. Epstein. And he said, no, nah, bring them here. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go after it. And he was so skilled at it. 
and had the tools that he could get that, that uh, tumor loose from the brainstem and get it out of there, and the child would live. But I was so thrilled when I read that. I don't accept children dying. I thought, well, that's the heart of God. Hallelujah. And, you know, I think sometimes people don't understand how God works, and they think, well, if God doesn't want them dying, then why do they die? Well, listen, you have to give God opportunity. You have to give God uh, an inroad into your life, you see. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Bible talks about this. You know, I know we have a lot of teaching today in the church. It's just erroneous teaching that God just does whatever He wants to do. No, God operates by His Word. He, he, he told us how things work, Amen. And, and, and the Bible tells us people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they don't know any better. They don't know they can be healed. They don't know that they can be delivered. They don't know that God will do things for them. But God will, God will help you in the natural as much as He will in the Spirit. Amen. He's, he won't leave you to, 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 to just be run over by the devil. Amen. And people say, well, I don't believe a good God like that would send people to hell. He doesn't send anybody to hell. <laughs> He's the one that got us out, right? You know, one famous, uh, when Greg and I actually did a podcast off of this guy's statement, one famous athlete said I, something to this effect. He said, I just can't believe in a God that's going to send half of his creation to hell when this is all over with. And I thought, well, brother, you just, you don't know the Bible. The Bi He's not sending half of his creation to hell. He got his whole creation out of it. When we sinned, when Adam sinned, he sunk the whole human race. He put us all under the dominion of the devil, and that's why Jesus came and died, to get us out of it. Now, if we, accept, if we don't accept the way out, that's our choice, right? Now, I want to look at a scripture here in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 25, and verse 21 and 22. It says, And you shall put the mercy seat above the ark. This is God telling Moses how to arrange the tabernacle. You shall put the mercy seat. Notice what it's called. Mercy seat above the ark. And in the ark, you shall put the testimony that I'll give you. Now, what was the testimony? That was the Ten Commandments. And I will meet with you there. And I will meet with thee and commune with thee from above the mercy seat. Y'all hearing that now? I'm going I'm to talk to you and commune with you above the mercy seat. Amen. Not, not above the, the, the testimony. That's important. From between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. It's very, it's very, very important that we understand that God didn't just haphazardly put this tabernacle together. Moses made it, according to the book of Hebrews, after the pattern of the one in heaven. Well, after the pattern that I will show thee. So it was specifically that the, in, that, in that what we call the, we've all heard of the Ark of the Covenant. In it contained what we would call the law, the Ten Commandments. But God said on top of that, Put the mercy seat, and I'll talk to you from the mercy seat. If I talk to you from the law, you're done because you've broken the law. i got to talk to you from a place of mercy. 
Now listen, I, listen, now listen, wait, wait till I get through because you're going to get excited about this. Uh, There's a, there's a story in Jesus' ministry where he's in the temple and he's, he's teaching people. There's a crowd around. And they bring in a woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, the last time I had sex education, it took two people to do that. So where's the guy? This was a setup from the start. It was. And they brought her to Jesus and they said, Master, we caught this woman in adultery in the very act. Now, the, in Moses' law says that such should be stoned. What do you say? It says this they did trying to trap him, trying to catch him, trying to get him. See? What does that mean? Well, it means simply this, that they know He's full of mercy. They know He's full of grace. They know that He forgives sinners. They know all that, but now they got Him here in the, in the temple. And if He says, don't stone her, then He's saying, don't keep the law of Moses. So they think they got Him over a barrel. You know what I'm saying? Either one way, this isn't, one, 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 one side, oh, he doesn't keep the law of Moses. The other side is, oh, he doesn't walk in love like he says. How many know, when you think you got Jesus over a barrel, you are under the barrel. And Jesus said, okay, uh, he that's without sin, go ahead, throw a stone at her. <laughs> go ahead. But you better be without sin before you do it. And the Bible says from the oldest, their conscience bothered them and they all left. And Jesus looked at the woman and he said, does anybody condemn you? She said, no man, Lord. He said, now they're dry. Go and sin. Now that's what he said. He didn't say everything's okay. He said, go and sin no more. Yeah. On the surface, it looked like he broke the law of Moses, but he didn't. What Jesus taught us was the biblical truth that's been in the Old Testament all along, that mercy is above the law. And if it wasn't, we'd all be doomed. Even James said mercy triumphs over judgment. Hallelujah. It trumps it. Amen. You say, well, does that mean God just overlooks things? No, it means, if, it means God gives mercy to the repentant soul. That's what it means. Amen. Amen. And actually, the Bible tells us this. Well, you're finding 1 Peter. I'm closing with that. But while you're finding that, the Bible tells us this. It says, actually, that Jesus, and it's in Romans chapter 3, it calls Jesus the propitiation for our sins. Anybody ever read that scripture? You know what that word propitiation means? Actually, actually in the Greek means mercy seat. That word propitiation means mercy. Jesus is our mercy seat. Hallelujah. He didn't do away with the law, but he came and fulfilled it for us. And now if we get in him, God treats us like we kept it. Glory to God. As far as God's concerned, 
<laughs> now, I'm not a, as far as God's concerned, we're righteous. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but a, a, a guy I know who was more of a Greek guy than I am. I mean, I know Greek, uh, you know, how, study how to study Greek words and all that. But, you know, just to sit down and read the Greek New Testament like some people can, I, no, it's just chicken tracks to me. I can't. But some people can read it. One guy was saying, in a, he was a guy I knew, preacher friend, minister, acquaintance. He said, and he said, this is back in the 80s where he was talking about. He said, when, when you look at that scripture in Corinthians, which we didn't finish reading all that scripture in 1 Corinthians 5, we read on, it says, He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He said, that word made, where we're made the righteousness of God in him. He said, that's, that, there's different Greek tense to the languages. The Greek Greeks has more tenses to its languages. I, knew, I understand. I know that. I know, I know about that. I don't understand them all. There's so many of them. But he said, that's, that, that's in the, I think he called it the eros tense, a uh, certain part of eros tense. There's different tenses, and, and there's smoke coming out of your head already. But anyway, I don't understand it all either. I don't understand some of it, but not all of it. But he said, when you look at that in the Greek and you read the tense of that word made, it, it has the connotation of meaning past, present, and future. So in other words, when God made us the righteousness of God, as far as he is concerned now, we've always been that. He takes our past. Come on. Isn't that the Bible? And throws it in the depths of the sea. And Corey Ten Boom said he put up a sign, no fishing. Amen. Isn't that good? You say, well, well, Pastor, I believe that about my past sins before I've met Jesus Christ, but I've sinned since I've been saved. <gasps> Please leave this church. We don't allow such in here. How many know everybody has? Right? Isn't that why John said, if we confess our sins... He's what? What is he? Faithful and just to what? But who's he being faithful and just to? He's being faithful and just to what he did. It wouldn't be just if he didn't forgive us if he paid the price. So he's faithful and just to what? Well, yeah, you could say to us to keep the covenant with us. Right? And, now listen to, listen to what John said. And if any man sin, we, glued himself, didn't he? Have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is what? Anybody know that scripture? He's the propitiation, the mercy seat for our sins. Hallelujah. So whenever you want to talk to God, run to the mercy seat. That's where he wants to talk to you from. Hallelujah. That's so good, isn't it? Amen. Well, I think it is. Maybe you don't. But I, I, I tell you what, I'm glad God had mercy. And still is having mercy on me. Amen. Look at this. We'll close right here. I went a little longer than I planned on. I'm sorry about that. But anyway, uh, let's, let's look at this. And this, this will be it. First Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 10. It says, of which salvation. Now about the salvation you and I have. The prophets have searched and inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of, of the grace that should come unto you. 
In other words, they didn't have this. Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Notice they're trying to find out about this. This is so good. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them uh, who have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Which things the angels desire to look into. What is this saying? It's saying the grace that we have is so good that the prophets kept searching out, who's this for? And when the angels heard about this, they said, we want to check into this. Because you know one third of the angels sinned and they didn't get this. But we did. Hallelujah. How many think we should probably come on Sunday morning, Wednesday night and praise the Lord? For all His goodness to us. How we shouldn't have to be pumped up to sing and worship God. It all just flow out of us. We have greater grace. Hallelujah. Amen. And this New Testament is such, you know, the Old Testament ends, with, ends in the word, ends with curse. The New Testament ends with the word grace. One time, this is final story, one time Jesus was uh, going somewhere to preach, you know, and, and he stopped in, some, in, in the city of Samaria. Now, you have to understand there was prejudice between the, the, the Jews and the Samaritans. Remember Jesus talking to that woman at the well, and they said, what are you doing talking to a woman who's a Samaritan? Because Jesus, it said, the Bible said, Jesus must need, he needed to go through Samaria. Well, the Jews at that time would not, at that time, wouldn't go through Samaria. They'd go around it. They wouldn't go through the city of Samaria. Because the Samaritans were half-breed Jews. They were mixed. And there was prejudice there. And they had prejudice against one another. And, uh, but Jesus didn't have any prejudice. He just ministered to whoever. I mean, he gave that woman at the well. He, he didn't care if she was a Samaritan. He gave her living water. But then he comes back in their city and they don't return the favor. Because they come there and, and they knew he was headed towards Jerusalem. The Bible said he had his face set to go to Jerusalem. So in other words, they knew he was going to Jerusalem and he was just making a stop to stop over in their city. And they're like, if you're going to Jerusalem, don't bother stopping here. That was what their attitude was. And because he sent James and John in to get things ready. He was going to have a meeting there. And they basically just let him know, don't, don't bother. Don't bother. If you're going to Jerusalem, don't even bother. Just keep going. And James and John said, you want us to call fire down on them like Elijah did? We'll burn them up, Jesus. We'll show them. We'll burn this whole city up. Come on, Jesus. Let, us, let me do it. Elijah did it, didn't he? Jesus said, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. That's not the spirit of the New Testament. That's not the spirit of grace. He said, the Son of Man didn't come to destroy our lives, but to save them. Forget it, boys. We'll go around Samaria, head to Jerusalem. But we're not going to burn the place up. You ever wonder why in the Old Testament sometimes God would have them go into a city, destroy the entire city? I'll tell you why. They didn't have the grace we have today. They couldn't change their hearts. They didn't have grace. 
Jesus didn't tell his disciples, go into all the city and kill everybody in it. He said, heal them all. Raise their dead. Amen. Why? Because there's grace now, boys. Because the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. Are you listening now? See, when he was standing there on the shores of Galilee in his ministry, he was ministering grace. Hallelujah. He was healing people pointing towards the cross. Remember, he healed all those people. Said himself took, he, said, he did it because it said himself took their infirmities and bore their sicknesses. Well, he hadn't done it yet, but he was, he was, he was just borrowing on what was coming. Hallelujah. Yeah. Did you get something today? Yeah. Woo, thank God for his grace. Amen. He's a good God. Amen. Hallelujah. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit myoasischurch.com. Thanks for listening.